Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome everybody to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm, I am your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. As you know, I talk about four different types of freedom, time, financial, location, health, freedom. In that light, I'm always interested in scouring the globe for entrepreneurs, creators, influencers, bring you the cutting edge ideas, inspiration, knowledge, tools, tactics, and strategies. And in that light, we have our guest today is Mel Lieber, and he's a premium finance specialist, uh, retirement and estate planner. And uh, as a quick disclaimer, none of this is financial advice. This is for educational entertainment purposes only. Uh, nothing is vetted. So do your due diligence. So uh, we'll bring on Mel and um, welcome to the show. Welcome. Well, thank you, Chris, for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, always happy to talk. And uh, you sound like it looks like a great show to be on. Um, yeah, what's interesting is we connected through Podmatch. It's a great way for guests and hosts to connect. Um, and tell us more about yourself and uh, premium finance, and we'll go from there. All right, sure. So my name is Mel Lieber. I'm, you know, I'm married with five kids. I started my own business uh, called Finance Premiums. I am like one of those real number guys, you know, I eat numbers for breakfast. I don't get scared by math. I just love it. I guess that makes me a little bit of a geek, but I think I'm still a pretty cool geek. So, you know, I, I grew up in a real, real finance family. You know, when I was like a, a eight-year-old, I would be like, oh, I have my stocks every day run to the New York Times to check my little ticker. Uh, if you're under 30, you don't know what I'm talking about. Check the little ticker to, to know how my stocks are doing because I overheard when my father was discussing with my older brother and I just decided my stocks are, you know, and that's how I kind of grew up. And, you know, as it turned out, my family, we all were success in finance. My oldest brother has a hedge fund. My sister is a financial planner. My other brother is a day trader in a fancy Fifth Avenue firm. And thank God I do premium finance, which is an amazing way to help people save for retirement and an amazing way to help people plan their estates. So yeah. that's that's how I got to where I am. <laughs> Interesting. It's uh you know, I always love this um this uh you know, people when they grow up, they have all these different childhood experiences like Bill Gates was with computers, you know, and then you um and it's just fascinating. I was always fascinated with, you know, growing businesses and hustling and so and it's great because you you develop all this like street knowledge so um well first thing is uh tell us about uh, what is premium fine 
premium finance? Tell us what it is. Okay, so what premium finance is it's a the reason actually most people don't know what it is, but the ultra high net worth they all know what it is because it's a strategy that used to be pretty much reserved for the ultra high net worth. The way that it it works is we take a insurance product that is a high earning insurance product. I like to call it like a cousin of whole life. It's the same type of idea of this insurance product that can be used as an investment, but it grows at a higher rate than whole life policies. It's not as guaranteed, but the great rate of growth is much higher. And then what we do is similar to a real estate investment where you don't usually buy a building by putting a million dollar building by putting down a million dollars. Rather, you put a $250,000 down payment and you get a $750,000 mortgage, which is able to make your growth much, much higher than just buying a $250,000 building. We do that same thing with this insurance-based investment. Somebody puts down two fifty. dollars we have a lender bringing a lender that's going to put in seven fifty, and now you have a million dollars working for you instead of just two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And it's just that model, which in real estate is obvious, applying it to life insurance, which is a relatively more safer asset class mm-hmm. and better tax rules. Interesting. What what's in? Uh, why do they? Uh, well, one question from the audience may be, what? why do they call it premium finance? So really the annual contribution, the annual investment towards your insurance policy, which is your personal investment really, is called a premium, your annual premium. So instead of just going and paying it all out of pocket, we're going to actually finance somewhere between 75 to 100% of those premiums. So we're taking your premium and we're financing it. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. And when you say, um, so this concept with the uh, premium finance and you apply it to, um, you've mentioned real estate, uh, life insurance, are there other different um, uh, investment vehicles that you use premium finance for? So personally, I only work in the premium finance space of these life insurance-based investments. Well, that's actually half true what I said, because that's all that's all even that I get paid for. Now, the way that it works is once I, my clients understand my financial knowledge, so once I'm doing that for them, then all of a sudden, you know, all these real estate deals hit my desk. Do you mind going over the real estate deal? Tell me if I should invest in this. Uh, you know, then I have to say, Listen, I don't claim to be a professional in this, but I kind of know how to do it anyways. So I help out my clients with that. Here's my non-professional opinion. And everything else is business. I end up getting in the market. I end up getting very involved in lots of other fields. But my only, what I'll call professional specialty, is using this strategy in the world of a life insurance-based investment. However, in the world at large, it is very much used in in stock market. We call it in the stock market investing a margin loan is the term usually used. In real estate, the term used is a mortgage or leverage. And in you know, venture capital funds use it as leverage as well to increase their investments. So really it's used all over the place. Maybe we give it different names in different industries, but my personal specification. And my personal expertise is in the life insurance side of things. Hmm. 
And uh, I know there's uh, different types of life life insurance vehicles. So uh, educate the audience on how these um, investment product work. Because one is like premium, you know, and then other ones that acts like a savings. You can, you know, um, and uh, you can tap in it when you need to. For example, if you want to make an investment or, you know, some other need, tell us more about those life insurance. Sure. My pleasure. Okay. So there's two categories of life insurance. The first category is a term insurance, term policies. Now, a term policy is very similar to your car insurance. You know, if you don't crash, then you don't get anything out of your car insurance. Does that mean that it was money that wasn't well spent? No, it was money that was spent very well. It just happens to be since you didn't crash, you don't collect on that. And most people are happy that they don't crash. That doesn't mean that it was not money well spent. So term a term policy is like that. If somebody dies young, dies prematurely, they will get a big payout. They're very cheap usually, especially for the younger crowd. And they and if something, God forbid, happens, those that depend on you will be able to be paid out from those from the from the funds that are supplied from the insurance company. And once again, most people, and it's really shockingly 99% of people put in money to the term policies and don't end, end up collecting anything because they're only going to give you the policy during the amount of time that the actuaries say you're going to live. So therefore that's how it usually works out. And I think it's for somebody that has people that are depending on them. If you do not have the other type of insurance, which I'm going to discuss in a second, go get that type immediately. Because mm-hmm. it's, I think it's a, it's a moral requirement, in my opinion, for any you know some father or whatever it is that that have children depending on them that mm-hmm. they should have such. Now the other type of insurance is a more sophisticated type, which it acts not only to provide the protection that I discussed previously, but in addition, it works as a tax shielded investment. Mm-hmm. Now, just like in the world of investing, there's different types of investing. There's bonds and there's stocks, for example, just to keep it as simple of a comparison as could be. Now, what gives you a higher earning? Stock, putting money in the stock market will earn you a higher rate of return than putting money in the bond. Does that mean bonds are bad and useless? No, they're not bad and useless, but they just perform a different function than the stock market. So the classic whole life policy is more similar to a bond type investment. It's dependable. It's predictable. And it's going to get you that 4-5% return that some people are looking for. There's another type of investment that you could do with an insurance company called the IUL, which stands for Index Universal Life. And mm-hmm. this is really what I specialize in. doesn't mean I don't do any of the other types, but this is what I specialize in, which your return is going to, some years you're going to get a zero return. Some years you're going to get a 12% return. It's usually going to average out to 6 7 you know, 8%, depending on the time in history, your type of return, which is going to be pretty significantly above the whole life return, but not as predictable, not as guaranteed. But over the long term, assuming that it's structured correctly, you're going to have a higher rate of return than a whole life policy. Similar to if I would tell you, if you put money in the stock market, 
over a long period of time, you're going to get a higher return than bonds. That doesn't mean that a 75-year-old necessarily should be putting 100% of their money into the stock market, even though in the long term, your return will be higher. And uh, when you say the IUL, th- those are indexed to the S&P or Dow Jones or how, what do you So say? you, that's your decision. There's going to be a list, depending on the company, between four and 10 different options. You could go for the S&P 500. You go for a European index. You go for a global mix. You could go for something called nowadays, which is very common, a low volatility index, which I think that the reason why that's better might be a little bit beyond our conversation today. But the short idea is when there's lots of volatility in the market, you're going to get a higher return with a low volatility index, and you have the ability to change it from year to year. That's what you need expertise, expert guidance to help you decide which index is right for you in each individual year. So that you have to really ask that expert. And then uh, what, what sort of fees are associated with you know each, each of the... Ah, so that's great. Yes. So when it comes to... And this, by the way, is part of the bad rep that life insurance often gets. And it's often well-deserved. Sometimes not. <laughs> so when... It, sometimes not. Sometimes, yeah, like an IUL, for example. What I very much like about IUL is it's a very flexible product. Mm-hmm. which what we mean by that is let's say you your minimum investment for this year is going to be $200,000, right? Or let's get smaller numbers. Most of the people listening, probably that's a higher number. I just seen somebody read it today. But okay, let's, let's, let's move it down a little bit. You're going to put in $30,000 a year is going to be your minimum. $20,000 a year is your minimum investment. Now, you could put into this product up to $80,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So off the bat, you know, your natural reaction is, why would I want to put in $80,000 when I could put in $20,000? But actually, from an investing standpoint, in terms of rate of return, it's actually the inverse. It's actually the opposite. I'll give you an example, which everybody understands. If I take $100 out of the ATM and the ATM charges Three bucks. So that works out to be a three percent fee, which that's a that's a hefty fee, three percent. If I went to the same ATM the next day and took out three hundred dollars, and they charged me the same three dollars, now it's no longer a three percent fee; it's a one percent fee. So the fees are going to be more or less standard. It's not exactly true. You can hold it to me to the T, but but just conceptually. The fees are more or less standard. So when you stick in the max amount of money, what we like to call a max-funded IUL, when you put the max amount of money, the fees are actually quite low in the long run of the policy. If you put in the minimum amount of money, the fees are very high. Mm-hmm. So usually, especially if a young person puts in the max amount of money, which is what I almost always, not always, because there are different cases, but what I almost always advise my clients is putting that max amount of money, even if it means I'd rather get you a smaller policy and make less money. I'd rather you get a smaller policy and do the max amount that you're allowed to in that policy than a bigger policy and not maxing it out because your fees are going to be significantly, significantly lower when you max it out. Usually over the life of the policy, we're taught for especially for a young person we're talking about if we view it like we view it regular investing accumulation fee 
you know, how much you pay your money manager, you're talking about under a half a percent fee, which is very reasonable in the money management world. Yeah. And then uh, what's interesting, so it sounds like you're basically uh, like these are um, paper contracts and um, it's almost very similar to like a stock, but it's like, but it's a, you know, it's a life insurance policy. It's like a contract. So a lot of the uh, audience listening to the counterparty risk is the issuer are these like hedge funds? Are these banks? Uh, like, what if they go mm-hmm. under and then they can't pay out the, you know, tell so us. That's more. a great question. That's a great question. The issuer is going to be one of the large insurance companies. I only use, I'll, I'll not everybody, this isn't true with everybody, but I've, with me at least, in my uh, guidelines that I personally set on myself, is that I will only work with a a-rated insurer plus you know all the insurers that i work with they've all been around for over 100 years a lot of them have been around like my the company that i like working the most with national life group they've been around since 1840 they have like 40 billion dollars in under management they're a fortune 1000 company does that mean it's impossible for anything to go wrong no (laughs) but their track record is great (laughs) now furthermore if something would go wrong there's something called the state guarantee fund. So whichever state it's issued in, that state guarantees to back up the policies. So therefore, you're pretty much covered by the state government. Now, you may want to ask, well, what if the state government goes under? Well, they're backed by the federal government. What if the federal government goes under? Um, I don't know. Your next currency is going to be tuna cans and toilet paper. I, you know. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, which is... Yeah. So basically, you know, you have very stable institutions, you know, backed by state, backed by federal, you know, so and then um, so what types of um, use is it like all uh, is all high net worth individuals, accredited investors, they do you see that they um, have some component of life insurance in their portfolio? Or is it just, you know, a, like, um, tell us more about the investor profile? Of these okay so i'll tell you the historical investor profile and the new age investor profile yeah the historical investor profile of this concept has been people that have had issues with paying estate taxes so we're talking about people that have a net worth above you know using current numbers 11 million dollars individually or if it's a couple 22 million dollars that's where it starts but even the person that's that has 22 million dollars don't have a problem here so that's be people that are worth more than that so we're talking about historically this has been for people that have a real high net worth 30 million and above have estate tax issues and they don't want the best way to deal with the state tax after you're done with the complex legal work that the lawyers could uh arrange for you you know when you when you get a beyond the gifting and beyond the family limited partnerships and et cetera, and all the other fun stuff and all the different types of trust work that you could do. And you still have a problem. So this is, was always a great way to go about it because you get a tax-free growth. It grows outside of your state and it's going to come in to pay the state tax, the death benefit at the perfect time that you need it. Death. So it all clicked together very well. Now, has been a new age application, which I was of the forefront working with in the last eight years, to use this concept for the 
high earners, not only the high net worth, but also to use it for the high earners to set up a retirement plan. We usually talk about people that make 200K a year and above who are willing or capable of putting, putting away at least $20,000 a year. That's the starting point. Now, most of my clients are putting in more than that, mm. but that's really where, the, where it starts. And for these people, compare it to your average 401k options or IRA options, and you just can't compare. This will totally blow them out of the sky. As I like to say, it makes your 401k look like watching TV in black and white. Yes. Yeah, I saw that. And uh, it's I mean, it's quite interesting because I was talking with another um, uh, guest and they were saying, especially with life insurance, especially the um, well, insurance is kind of like an option. It's like, you know, it's a put and it's, it's basically for calamity, but um, you can actually use it for investment purposes. And like um, the 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 super high net worth, they know you know, the risk of probability of death is 100%. So they, right when their kids are born, they, you know, buy life insurance. And, you know, so this is the kind of the way the mm-hmm. rich think. So that's interesting. A lot of people are- I, I would even add one thing to that. And most of the high net worth love using leverage. Yeah. A lot of a lot of the, uh, we'll call it, I don't want to use the word poorer. I mean, the lower net worth people, a lot of the lower they view debt or leverage loans, whichever term you want to use, mm-hmm. with like they're afraid of them. They're yeah. fr- I don't want to be in debt. Dave Ramsey says it's bad to be in debt, and I agree it's bad to be in debt that you don't have a clear planned out to go be in debt to spend money on the credit cards to go on the vacation you can't afford. Very bad. We all agree. But when debt is a calculated investment vehicle. Is actually very very powerful. The best way to make money is other people's money, yeah. And therefore, that's what the wealthy really understand. And therefore, once you start explaining to them the idea of we're going to get loans to make more money, yeah, sure, that makes perfect sense. Some of the people that aren't high net worth are less accustomed to that mindset, and for them, it's a little bit scarier. Yeah, and it's um. And it's interesting, you know, especially with debt, because the currency is getting devalued with inflation and, you know, uh, and then basically you're paying debt with um, other people's money, but also you're paying uh, the debt with um, uh, lower valued currency. So it's, you know, but uh, like I said, you know, it's like different way of thinking, rich versus the middle class type of thinking. So um, I'm here to try to teach the middle class or middle upper (laughs) How to think like the high net worth. That's yeah. the part of what I do. Exactly. I, I let them into the secret. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, a lot of people are interested in uh, following you, visiting your website, contacting you on social media. How can they do that? All right. So the, definitely what they could do is they could check out my website, which is www.financedpremiums.com. That's financed with the D at the end, premiums with the S at the end.com. Or they could email me, Mel, M-E-L, at financedpremiums.com, F-I-N-A-N-C-E-D, premiums, P-R-E-M-I-U-M-S.com. And that's the best way to get a hold of me. And for all the listeners out there, this was a fantastic discussion. This is really how the rich get richer, uh, like the mindsets, the way they think about um, different products, risk, especially risk asymmetry. And so be sure to check out um, Mel's um, resources in the links and show notes. He's on LinkedIn his website, um, as well as financedpremiums.com. And 
what a fantastic discussion and um, i'm really happy to have the quality guests on my show so thanks so much and uh, thanks for coming on oh my pleasure thank you for having me this is very enjoyable this episode is brought to you by la quinta by window your work can take you all over the place like texas you've never been but it's going to be great because you're staying at la quinta by window their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead and after you can unwind using their free high-speed wi-fi tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book your stay today at lq.com listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week